Hey, good morning, everybody. Wow. I could go home now. I, I've been so blessed. I mean, I feel so much home here. So thank you very much for inviting me. So my name is Sasha Flack, and uh, I come from Prague, Czech Republic, which is in Central Europe. And um, I am today 19,815 days old. I'll actually turn 20,000 on January 4th next year. Wow. Um, that's impressive, isn't it? Almost 20,000 years old. Uh, no, <laughs> 20,000 days old. I'll be that one day. But not here. Harvest Cochrane is about 270 days old, I, I'm hearing, right? Nine months. And I'm sure her parents can remember each of those days and nights. <laughs> but as, as, as it goes to 20,000, you don't remember all of your days. Why am I talking about this? Uh, let's read. Psalm 90 together, if, if we can. And I don't know if we, we, if we have the text, but uh, maybe we only have one verse or so. So I will read, I will read the, the whole Psalm 90. And excuse my English, it's not my first language, or second or third. But, but, uh, I'm sorry. So, so I'll, I'll do my best, and, and, and you'll do your best. Understand me. So... Psalm 90. It's a very depressive one, I mean, but then it, just bear with it. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place through all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, your mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We're consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is, a great, is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, 
that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to your children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Amen. What a psalm, what a song, what a poem, what a piece of art is it? It's like a drama, isn't it? Very emotional. If you read it in Hebrew, <laughs> it's even more than in, in any translation, of course. But as I said, it's very depressing. But it, the first part is, the first 11 verses, I think we would diagnose the author today. With, uh, with a clinical depression. Um, we don't know who really wrote it. It's, it's, it's called a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Uh, maybe it was David attributing it to Moses or another psalmist. If we remember Moses, his life was difficult. Not the first 40 years, but, but then as he started to follow the Lord, follow the inner prompting of the Spirit, his life was getting crazy difficult. He became a murderer, he became a, a, a prophet, a deliverer, a, he, he became a, a, a founder of a religion that lasts till today and that evolved into Christianity that's encompassing the whole planet. But what a, what a wretched man he was. He had a very difficult task to lead Israel out of a tyranny, out of a despotic regime in Egypt. And then when they were free, he even had a harder task to, to make this bunch of slaves into a nation and to the people of God. <laughs> Who can do that? And we know he was frustrated at times, right? He was uh, the meekest of all men. But he was frustrated as well sometimes and he struck the, the rock with, a, with his rod and it seems like he couldn't enter the promised land because of that. So, so we can imagine Moses praying this psalm Or you can imagine someone around you praying this psalm, someone who has a hard time, who's had a long time of loneliness or struggle or sickness or bad job situation or maybe a loveless marriage or no marriage. So the first 11 verses of this psalm are very sad, very depressing. And and, and the psalmist is uh, imagining, and this is important, I think, to say, he is imagining 
that God only sees us with wrath. That God is angry with us all the time and that our days are just sorrow and pain. And he says, yeah, we will live 70 years or 80 if we're lucky, but all the best of these days are terrible anyway. So I think he needs some medication, this guy, right? I think he needs some counseling. He needs some love, right? He, he needs an intervention. He needs help. Thankfully, the psalm doesn't end with the first 11 verses. There's a breaking point in that psalm, in verse 12. And I don't know if we can have the verse 12 up on the screen, but I'll read it. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Yeah, yeah, this one. Thank you so much. I sent you so many verses. And, uh, great job. Thank you. Uh, and this is, this, is my, this is my sermon today. Teach us to number our days. Are your days numbered? Yes, they are. <laughs> my days are numbered. We just don't know the count. We don't know how many it is. But they're numbered, at least in this life. We believe we have eternal life. But we won't live this very life forever. It will be a, a different kind of life. And we know very little about it. But this one is, is numbered. It's limited. We, we have a number of our days. And we don't know a day or the, or the hour. We, we don't know how long we'll be here. And uh, yet the psalmist, instead of complaining and whining, in this verse 12, he starts to turn to the right direction. He turns to the Lord with his heaviness, with his depression, with his pain and loneliness and frustration. He leads to God, he, he turns to God, and he asks for help. Teach us to number our days. Teach. That means we don't know how to do it. We need to learn it. Lord, teach us to pray, the disciples asked. Because it's not something natural. We need to learn it. Jesus said, learn from me because I'm humble and meek of heart. Learn. Because it's not natural. We need to learn it. We need to acquire it. It's not a natural capacity that we have. Teach us to number our days. We don't know how to do that. <laughs> we, we, we like to live in, in forgetfulness or in, just in a moment. And, but such life is like, uh, like, like a bunch of unconnected dots that don't make any sense. When, we've, when we remember back, what did I do today? Uh, I don't even know. I answered some emails. I, I commuted to the work and back. I, I, I went to the toilet a couple times. I ate. And when, that's just one day, right? But what, what did we do last year, last 10 years? What is the story we can tell? 
to our children, to our grandchildren? What, 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 is, what is our story? And so, so especially I believe the modern age with, with all the pressure for, for hurry makes us live in a way that our life doesn't resemble a story. We can't tell a story that we could glorify God with maybe or, or, or impress our children or grandchildren with. And I believe God wants to teach us how to live differently, how to make our days count. You know, we normally count money, children. We may count, if we're pastors, we count people. <laughs> um, we count all, all sorts of things. But do we count our days? Teach us to count or to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. <laughs> we normally count our lives in, in, in the units of years, right? That's why you laughed when I said I'm 19,000 something years, uh, days. <laughs> you see how used we are to years, days old. Let me see again, I don't even remember my birthday today. Um, it's 19,815. 19,815, that's a lot of days, right? It's almost 20,000 days. I'm rich in days. Imagine it was dollars that I've spent. <laughs> and how many do I have left? I don't know. But it's limited. I, I believe there is something, I mean, we don't always have to read the Bible literally, right? I mean, especially when it's poetry. But I, I believe there is something in, in, in this verse, in, in, in the wording of this verse that, that is um, important for us. Because a year is such an abstract thing. It's a long period of time. We don't remember, we can't see the whole year. It's a good practice at the end of the year to look back, and I try to do that every year, and go through my calendar and summarize what happened that year. Where was I? What happened? What were the milestones, right? The turning points, maybe. And what I can give thank God for, or what I should mourn, maybe what I should pray about for the next year. But year is such a long and abstract unit of time. Jim just finished his career uh, two days ago, spending 22 years in, in one company, and that's 8,050 or so days, I believe, right? 8,000 days he gave to that firm, that company, that's a, that's a something. Days uh, are something that we can um, hold before our day, uh, eyes. I, I, every evening when I go to bed, I can, I can remember my day, can't I? Maybe it's a good spiritual practice to do. Just remember what happened and 
bring it to the Lord with all that's in it. The success, the failure, the things I give thanks for and the things that hurt and uh, I need to bring that to the Lord, don't I? So as I, uh, I didn't say this, but <laughs> um, if God lets me live long, in the year 2050, actually on May 22, I will turn 30,000 days old. And I will be 82 years and one month and 19 days old then. And maybe I won't live that long. Or maybe I will live longer. But if I'm almost 20,000, and in the year 2050, when I'll be 82, God willing, I'll be 30,000, that, that helps me to count my days, to number my days. There's roughly 10,000 days between now and 2050, right? And if I will be around, I will be an old man by then. <laughs> In time, at that time, it's 10,186 days or 334 weeks that I might have on this planet or 1,455 weeks. How will I spend them? If it was the money, <laughs> if I had this in dollars, say 10,000, $186 to spare, right? I, I, I would think what to do with them, right? I wouldn't just say, okay, whatever, something happen, will happen to that money. No, I, it, it's, a, it's a, actually a gift. It's a gift. It, it's, it's an extra. It's grace that we'll will live tomorrow and the day after and for 10,000 more days maybe. It's a gift. There's this 10,186. What will I do with them? How will I spend them? Because I will spend them. Isn't it interesting in, in English that you spend money and you spend time? We don't do that in Czech. We digest time, <laughs> if, if, you, if you would translate literally. But in English, you spend time, you spend your days like you spend your money. How will we spend them? <laughs> so, so, so the psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Again, it looks like it's not something natural, not something that we have, a heart of wisdom. How many of you have wise kids, <laughs> that's wonderful, yes? But they're wiser today than they were yesterday, right? We gain a heart of wisdom. Not everyone becomes wiser as they age. Some people age really bad. Some people turn sour and grumpy and unbearable. Because there is pain in their life that they didn't take care of, that's not healed, that they didn't give to the Lord. There is, there, there is, a, there is a story behind every, <laughs> every um, person, right? Uh, 
There's a reason why they are the way they are. We have some people in, in my country, in the Czech Republic, some public figures who are now old and who totally betray their legacy, who, who betray their lifelong values, who exemplify the opposite of what they stood for all their life. And they become terrible people as they age, especially the men for some reason. And it's, it's, it's a scary thing to see. And whenever that I see that, I pray, Lord, please let me heal. <laughs> let me take care of everything. I don't want to become that way. Uh, I've been studying in Amsterdam and uh, several times uh, my friends took me to, to, to one um, pub there. Uh, every Tuesday night there's jazz playing and it's the same band for the last 50 or 60 years. Right? These people are octogenarians. <laughs> and they are so cool. <laughs> they're, they're so cool. It's, they're in the groove, you know? And, like, and I'm, when I'm there, I'm praying like, Lord, please, when I'm this old, I want to be this cool. <laughs> you, you, you can become a cool person. Like your, your grandkids or, or people around you might love you for who you are. They might not be afraid of you or try to avoid you. They might be drawn to you because you acquired a heart of wisdom. You acquired the fruit of the Spirit. You became somebody. And, you know, I've read somewhere that um, our eternal reward or punishment will be that we will have to be forever with this person, with who we became. <laughs> right? So it almost seems like our life is a task to become something or some, somebody. We don't often think about that because we have to achieve results that are outside of us. But from the Bible point of view, from God's point of view, we are his workmanship. And in Greek, the word there is poema in Ephesians 2.10, like a poem a work of art. We're his work of art. He's the creator. We've heard it in the announcements. He's the creator God and we are his creation, his poema, his poem, and uh, he's writing it. We're the living epistle. He's still, it, it, it's a work in progress, right? But um, we need to allow him to do that, we need, he, he, won't, he won't do it against our will. So acquiring the heart of wisdom is a, is a task. Teach us to number our days so, so we gain the heart of wisdom. What is wisdom? I don't know, do you? I mean, we could go to scriptures and there are some hints the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But I think from, from I could, we, we could come to a different definitions, but I think from this point of view, I think wisdom might be 
a perspective. A perspective. We act wisely when we are not just caught in the moment, when we don't just react from our, you know, gut reactions. The wisdom might be that we get gain perspective and we can see this moment in the context of our days, of our lives, and maybe even in the eternal context. And then we might act differently. Then maybe we don't get so mad or so frustrated or so carried away by this or that. And we might, or on the contrary, we might pay attention to something that we wouldn't otherwise. That might be wisdom, to live well. If I can ask you for, for, for another slide that talks about living well, it's from Psalms 90 in the message translation, just a few verses from there, yes, that's right. Um, that's from Eugene Peterson, the message. He translates it this way. Oh, teach us to live well. Teach us to live wisely and well. Come back, God. How long do we have to wait? Etc. So, so he's, he's uh, turning to, to God in this verse for help. And it's a turning point in the whole psalm. And the rest of the psalm is, uh, is joyous. I mean, if we invite God into our days, into our situations, uh, everything changes. Surprise us with love at, at a daybreak. That sounds differently from those previous verses, right? Our days are but trouble and sorrow. Surprise us with love and at daybreak. Then we'll skip and dance all day long, day, all day. You hear that? Make up for the bad times with some good times. We've seen enough evil to last a lifetime. This is Israelite song. Slaves, exiles, occupied nation. Yet, God was with them. Even under Babylonian, Assyrian, or Roman, or Greek occupation, they could have wonderful life. You understand? That's, that's impossible. <laughs> Yet they were able to know God and to share God with us through the scriptures and through their story. We can today gain a heart of wisdom through those scriptures. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I don't have much time left, but I, I think I need to read this. Ecclesiastes 3, and everyone knows these verses. Even my, my atheist brother knows. No. Yeah, I, my brother is an atheist. He's eight years older, and he gave me hard childhood. You can imagine. <laughs> but he still gives me a hard time. <laughs> but he knows this is in the Bible. There's a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens. Time to be born and a time to die. Time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace 
and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to, there is a time to give up. Let's read on. A time to keep on and a time to throw away. (laughs) A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Wow. These are like 28 different life situations. 14 contrasts. Do you agree? These are very, very contrasting things there. And there is a time for all of that. I don't understand some of them. Time to kill. Or um, I don't like a time to give up. (laughs) But actually, you know what? My, My... I was, there was a time in my life when I was leading the church and publishing house and my doctoral dissertation. And it was not a good time. It was just too much. And um, I thought I could do my doctorate the way like I would, I would take a month sabbatical every year, break from my other responsibilities, lock myself in a monastery, literally, and uh, write the next chapter of my PhD thesis. Well, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I remember I was packing to go to the monastery for for the month, and it took me like two days. I should have gone yesterday, (laughs) and I still couldn't get myself to go. And then um, I was on a phone call with my oldest daughter, and uh, I was telling her where I was going and uh, why and all that and uh, how important it is for me to get my PhD and you know how this would open the doors for, for ministry and my both parents were PhDs, by the way. Um, and um, so there was maybe some other motivation. <laughs> and I kept telling her how I need to do this. And you know, You can be young and wise, wiser than your dad. She asked me a question. So dad, I hear you say all all over again, like this is important, I need to do that. But I don't hear you say I want to do that. That hit me. I said, you're so right, I so don't want to do that. And then I finished packing and went to that monastery and started working like, for a couple days and then I got really sick. <laughs> and I had to go home. <laughs> and I couldn't, couldn't do the thing. It was not a serious sickness, but I, I just had to go home. <laughs> And uh, it took me some weeks, and I had to write my professor in Amsterdam, saying, uh, this is very difficult, but I have to give it up for now. I I can't finish what I started. And he was half-time professor, half-time pastor, and he wrote me something that I will never forget. He said, sometimes to retreat, is the hardest thing, but the most blessed. There is a time to give up. There is a time to hold, there is a time to give up, Ecclesiastes says. 
and, and so, so I took a break from my doctorate, and it's like six years already, and they don't know who I am, and I'm not a student there anymore, and I'm as happy as a, I don't know. <laughs> it was one of the, one of the best decisions in, in my life. And soon after that, or a year or so after that, I also decided to move on from pastoring as well, because I, <laughs> now I learned how to give up, and so, so um, I was living so many lives, so now I'm in publishing only, and we do things like publishing the Bible. When I was here last time, this thing didn't exist. It didn't exist. The first modern Czech translation in a long, long, long time, and you helped us. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. You, you invested uh, your prayers and, and, and your means in, into this miracle. The word became flesh. <laughs> you know, the, so, so it, and it took 15 years to, to translate. And, and, and now we still keep working on, it was just the beginning. Now we work on the study Bible and other literature that helps people understand the good news. But it takes time, right? So, so, so I decided I can't live three lives, I can't lead my dissertation, my uh, church, uh, and, and, and the publishing house. So I now live one life, because I gave up some other things. Sometimes to retreat is the most difficult, but the most blessed thing to do. So there's a time for that. There's time to gather stones, and it says scatter stones. Have you ever seen someone scattering stones? No. You, because it's a translation. It really means throw stones. <laughs> Why would you gather stones? It's, you need to throw them. David did that. <laughs> he threw stones. He took five. One was enough. So there's a time for everything, for all the contrasts. And, and uh, the, what a, again, what a beautiful, wonderful poem. But um, one thing, and I, I, I will need to close with that, uh, about this poem, again, as with the psalm, is that it, it includes change. It includes time, counting our days, understanding the times. But as in the psalm, it changed from depressive to joyous. Here you also have contrasts, very opposite things. And uh, I, I think what it teaches us is that there is, that the change is possible, and it's good. And often we think that as responsible and godly people, we just have to be stable. We just have to be the same every day and every year and every decade. But even God is not like that in the Bible. His moods are changing, his attitudes are changing. Um, he's not sending us to, like he sent Joshua, to, to exterminate cities and nations, right? Uh, if you ask another Joshua, Jesus, what to do with your enemies, you won't hear kill them all. <laughs> you will hear love them all. So, so there's even, it seems like there's even change in how God is reacting or, or teaching us different things. So there, I think change is natural, it's supernatural, 
It's, it's uh, something that we can ask for and expect and desire. And uh, I don't know about you, but I do need change. I, I want to spend the, the, the rest of my days in a more meaningful way. I want to see things I haven't seen yet. And I don't mean Paris. <laughs> I've been to Paris. <laughs> I haven't been to New Zealand, for example. I would like to one day, maybe. But I mean, I want to see the glory. Even this morning as we prayed before the church, somebody prayed for revival in the Czech Republic. And we experienced revival 30 years ago uh, when thousands of people were coming to Christ, when the political system was crumbling down but, and, and, and the spiritual system as well. And uh, we were young, we didn't know what we were doing, but we were leading people to Christ all the time. And I don't know how we did it, because we did not. It was the spirit, it was the visitation, and it was the time. I want that time again, or a different time, better, more powerful. Uh, Lord, please change the times, uh, change, change the course. I mean, maybe it's not a national change that's in your heart. Maybe it's the change in your relationship. Maybe it's the change in your body. The change is possible. There is time for this and there is a time for opposite. There is a time for that. You don't have to continue your days the same days, the same way that those days were up to now, right? Teach us to number our days. Okay, uh, let's see what are the days that we have in our hands. We don't know how many, but we give them to the Lord and we ask for change. Yes. Uh, we cannot change, right? But we can ask God for the change. Uh, maybe it's a time to pray now. And I wish my sermon was better organized and uh, more eloquent, but I just wanted to share my heart with you. I have notes, and I didn't really follow them. <laughs> but uh, I hope the Spirit is conveying what's on God's heart for us. Uh, may I ask Jim to lead us? Yeah, I think <clears throat> um, <clears throat> the idea of uh, that change is possible, and change is a good thing, and change is something God uses in all of our stories from the beginning to end. So maybe uh, today is a change day, or the, maybe today is the, is the verse 12 day where it starts to change and the story begins to look different. So um, we're going to invite the prayer teams up, and um, again, anybody that wants to come forward and receive prayer for anything, but particularly this message about um, numbering our days and, and welcoming the changes that God wants to bring into our days. I think that's what the Lord wants to mm -hmm. do. So, so Lord, we just receive every good work you want to do in our own hearts and um, invite you to do even more and um, make your name great in Jesus' name. Amen.